Hey everyone, it's your host of See Jurassic Right, Stephen Ray Morris here, just dropping in to say, I hope you've been enjoying all the new episodes in 2023 and 2024 so far. There are new interviews with filmmakers, musicians, scientists, the screenwriter of Land Before Time, audio essays about the rich history of the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World franchise, and all the news about the upcoming animated show Jurassic World Chaos Theory and the as-of-yet untitled Jurassic World sequel coming next summer. I really need your help supporting the show right now, and you can do that by leaving a tip and or giving a monthly follow on Patreon, patreon.com slash There are $1 and $5 tiers, but more is coming. Sharing the show, giving five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts, and liking and commenting on social, at Stephen Ray Morris on Instagram and Twitter, goes a long way to help boosting the show's visibility again online in this new era. I'm an independent podcaster and your support is so important and means the world to me in keeping this podcast running. Link to the Patreon is in the show notes. Hold on to your butts. Thank you. And now on to the show. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to See Westworld Right. It's Stephen Ray Morris. Hey, and we're back. Look at me doing things relatively on time. <laughs> oh my gosh, what are we doing here? We're in the end game now, baby. It's Decoherence, episode six of season three. Holy shit, we're almost here. And I, I don't know, I was like, and I love those fields of grain. Hey, it's exciting. Wow, this was such a good episode. This was definitely. It's funny because speaking about last week's episode, I really, it kind of really took me a little bit of time to come around to that episode. I think the highs were high, but the lows for me were pretty low, or I mean, just dull in a sense. But this episode, I feel like kind of, you have my attention kind of thing. Like it was so, it's funny. I'm seeing interesting reviews where, again, now I'm kind of just enjoying reading the recaps from other people. Again, mostly from, let's see, this time Insider does really good recaps, Rolling Stone, and obviously io9 and Collider do great recaps. So I'm kind of just enjoying now just kind of absorbing it all. 
And I think that's part of the watch along experience, you know, getting people's input and everything like that. And there's a few friends of mine who I texted about, uh, you know, especially last week, I haven't texted anybody yet for this week, but I, I need to, because there's a lot of cool stuff going on here. Not a lot of revelations per se, but just a lot of fun action. I feel like last week was the supposed to be the like, woo, cool action, fun genre. But to me, the action in this episode was so much more, was so much more fun and interesting. And I don't know. Anyway, this week, we're back with Charlotte, we're back with Maeve, and we're back with the man in black. <laughs> and I'm excited. There was some, again, a lot of reviewers were kind of being like, is this the end of the man in black's journey? But We've only just begun, baby. We've only just begun with the man in white, question mark. Oh, God. Okay. Let's dive in. So, last we left, Maeve, she was killed by uh, Hiroyuki Sanada's Dolores in Singapore, but Sorak obviously revived her because he knows that she's really the only one that can stop Dolores. And this was a great episode it's kind of that thing again in a lot of media now where you characters don't have relationships or you don't show the time when they had relationships or they again might not have had any relationships at all. And it is interesting to go back when you see Westworld as a when you see Westworld as a whole to kind of note at the times when Maeve and Dolores crossed paths, crossed paths, crossed paths because this episode finally has the meeting up in some form again and it's just so good and i think they've done it well where you understand that these characters aren't necessarily supposed to be together or that there isn't really a history but it's two characters who kind of went through similar journeys and when they meet it's almost like you know tip of the hat respect but i you go your way i go mine and we're getting ahead of ourselves but so yeah, Maeve is back and she's basically trying to find an army for herself in order to take on Dolores at the behest of Serac. And then uh, Charlotte is basically trying to fulfill Dolores's plans in spite of Serac. <laughs> so again, it's all these pieces moving in the aftermath of Dolores unleashing uh, the chaos onto the world of everyone seeing their profiles. And then it's also... I mean, I think it's aptly put where Ed Harris, you know, the man in black is like, why am I still here? Like what, like my, I thought my journey was supposed to end in death, you know, like I deserve to die because I became a shadow of the person I was supposed to be. And in fact, you learn really that, you know, this wasn't the beta male who, whose machinations, you know, and he became evil. It's almost more like, are we, you know, it's the classic Westworld. Are we stuck in our loops? You know, are we human or are we dancer? You know, kind of thing. Like all these episodes, it's multiple threads and everything. And oh, it just was so good. But yes, essentially, this episode is broken up into Charlotte, Haloris. I guess, I guess they call her Hail Loris, not Charloris. Charloris was season two. I wasn't, I got it all mixed up. But, and yeah. <sighs> Again, the the sort of interesting wild card with somebody like Charlotte, who we never saw her as a real person, and then she dies and, you know, becomes Dolores on the inside or whatever. And so it's interesting, and I like the little behind-the-scenes thing where it's like, 
you know, and again, Sirach's revelation about who she really is, this idea that we're learning more about who the character was through their through somebody trying to replicate their life is very interesting. And so essentially it's this idea because Dolores made these copies of herself, but the further they get away from her sort of um, sphere, the less control that Dolores has over them. And it's almost like the Dolores that's inside Charlotte is like, oh, wait, I have an opportunity to make a better life for myself, not only for me, but for this character and fulfill my mission. But it's kind of impossible it sort of seems like what it's saying. So she's trying to rescue her family. Uh, her husband, um, let's see, what is her? Oh, Jake as played by Michael Ely, who does a very, you know, he does a, he does a nice role of just kind of looking very sweet and, and kind of sad, you know, <laughs> like, wow. I mean, but also like I married this badass, badass, uh, Tessa Thompson, you know? So I don't know, but anyway, yeah, the world is going to chaos and Charlotte's just trying to get her shit together before she, you know, before, like, just trying to get her shit together. But basically, Sirach is kind of one step ahead of her. And, well, you know, again, it's that beautiful little cat and mouse game um, where she's trying to just get data out of D- Delos because Delos is a lost cause at this point. And obviously, Sirach wants to, once he has the takeover, because throughout the season he's been trying to buy shares in Delos and at this point it can't be stopped so now it's just damage control where Charlotte because essentially the idea the only thing that's useful about Delos at this point and why Dolores is trying to maintain control of Delos from the inside through Charlotte is that Delos has the ability to make more hosts they have all that technology remember inside Arnold Bernard you know the original Bernard's house was only one thing, whereas Westworld has a bunch, so they can kind of use that to create more hosts. But essentially, Sirach is only taking over Delos to destroy that. So then he's trying to cut off any means for Dolores to take him on. And so Charlotte is doing battle there at this beautiful modern art museum called Delos slash now is called Insight. And then Maeve, again, is trying to sort of assemble an army and it's kind of nice to go back into Westworld for a little bit. We get to see Lee Sizemore again. We get to see Hector again, RIP. But, um, and I mean, ultimately this episode really is about, it's it's hard to sum up this episode in a sense because it's almost like there's all these pieces that move into these different, I think a big set piece in, the, in one of those set pieces is the meeting of Maeve and Dolores because... Sirach managed to grab the pearl in Connell's Dolores. Remember in last week's episode, he that that Dolores sacrifices themselves uh, so that I mean it's was kind of a brutal you know to get into uh, Rehoban, but that sacrifice was a little bit futile because Sirach manages to secure that pearl. You can see it's all like gnarled and gross, and but but that allows. Maeve and Dolores to interact and essentially again it's this very like Princess Mononoke style thing of like you have your way you have mine and there's just we're ideologically never going to meet and there's no way that Maeve and Dolores are ever going to be on the same side because they essentially want the same thing but just go about it different ways again that's why I love Dandy Newton and how she plays Maeve where it's like I'm not trying to rule the world I'm not trying to burn it all down 
I just want my little piece of the world. It's very Teddy-like in that sense, but more aggressive and not aggressive, but just like Maeve is going to do anything to protect herself. Whereas Dolores is more in it for the, she it's more ideological for Dolores versus Maeve where really it's just about, again, carving this little piece of the world for herself and her family and her loved ones and all that stuff like that. But of course, again, it's just like Evan Rachel Wood and, and Danny Newton play off each other so well of like, you know, well, what have you done for your cause kind of thing? And yeah, I'm so interested to see where this goes. Like, are they going to just eventually, is it going to be the thing where they're fighting and then they both turn and take on Ciroc at the end of the day? Like, because again, I don't see how they could ever team up, even though they're both hosts and they both want the same thing. I think the the show's done a really good job of why Maeve chooses to side with Ciroc, you know, throughout all of this. I think it totally makes sense where it's like, yeah, he's the she, he's he's the lesser of two evils right now in that sense. She wants what she but or it's not even the lesser of two evils. It's almost like that's the easier path for me to get what I want right now, I think maybe is the better way to say it. And so that to me really was what the episode all like, that was the centerpiece of the episode. Again, I think it's, and then punctuated by all the action that Charlotte's going through of trying to outsmart Ciroc, trying to save her family, uh, you know, fighting inside the, the Delos now insight headquarters. We get to see that cool robo mech, technology protector that was really fun again tessa thompson has her in the elevator captain america moment all that stuff was just so good yeah i mean that 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 i don't have i guess i don't have a lot to say about it i'm still kind of processing it i wonder for me it's better for me to podcast when i've had a few days to think about it versus like trying to sum it all up right now but (laughs) that's what that's what that's how i'm that's how i'm wording this but you know um that stuff was just so cool. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, inter- it's interesting to see the chaos of the world because you get it in fits and starts, but it's almost like this. It was very timely because it's this thing where it's this great global catastrophe going on where everyone is just kind of losing their minds because they know how they die. They know their fate. And Yep, some people are still going to work. I mean, there's that the one of the board members that works with Charlotte, and it's like, man, I can't even get a fucking like, I can't even get a, cu- a cup of coffee right now. And 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 Charlotte's like, fuck the barista, you know. Where it's it's it feels very timely, you know, what we're going on in this world right now, where we have these sort of, you know, as we've labeled them, essential workers, the 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 people doing, I mean, really the thankless jobs and you know, this idea, it's like, you know, they're heroes, but it's like, no, we're forcing these people to endanger their lives. Like uh, calling, like, instead of calling them heroes, let's just fucking give them more money. Let's just let, or let's, Hey, let's maybe not have them work. So they don't have to risk their life. I don't know. That's a whole other thing, but I definitely, it definitely felt very timely watching this episode where it's like, well, if the world is going, is falling into chaos like that, who still has to go to work? Like who is still, what things are you doing? Do you still care about doing, even if it seems meaningless in that moment, because there's much bigger things going on? I don't know that that's all I'm going to say about that. I just feel like the, the, the way that it was, 
the setting that was going it's like you're still going to work right now kind of thing like that stuff i found very i i don't think westworld necessarily had any i you know that's the problem sometimes with like unleashing this box where it's like i don't know if westworld is sort of necessary i mean Again, it's like this idea. I mean, I mean, and would the world turn to chaos if you knew your fate? I don't know. I don't know if Westworld's really interested in in sort of. I don't know if Westworld, particularly on a larger scale, is interested in dealing with those questions because we're not. In and in a way, I'm kind of thankful that Westworld is really sticking to our main characters. It's not like we're going, you know, going to this macro view and seeing how the world is reacting to this. We're kind of getting it in little vignettes here and there, you know, the, the therapist, William's therapist realizing that, you know, her, that she like that her, you know, her family leaves her because she cheated on, like she had flings with her patients and then she just hangs herself in them. You know, it's, it's hard to, to dive into that stuff without seeming very kind of over the top and operatic where it's like, I don't know if I learned that I was going to die in 10 years, would I stop everything I'm doing right now? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. 10 years feels like a long time to me. And <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guys, let me know y'all. Let me know what you think of that. If you if all of a sudden tomorrow on your phone, it said, Hey, this is your fate, you know, this is what happens to you in the next 10, 20 years of your life. Would you change everything or would you sort of be like, well, at least I know what I'm doing. You know, at least I don't need to worry about what I'm doing anymore because it's been presented right in front of me, which again, I think is what Westworld is talking about, but I don't know if they're necessarily interested in the logistics of it other than this sort of aesthetic sheen of like the world turning into chaos. It's like somebody's kicking over a, somebody's kicking over a chair in an art museum. You know, it, it feels rather operatic and, 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 you know, this is where Westworld starts to get a little silly and in, in a good way, I think it sort of fits the tone of the show, but I don't know if Westworld's really interested in answering those kind of questions on a, granular level but again i'm glad that they choose to focus still on the main characters and what that cognitive space does to them rather than trying to make some big statement about the world it's dolores is here because she believes that people deserve to have control of their life and have the ability to make a choice that's it however people deal with that westworld isn't going to worry about it you know that's up for you to decide and and the way that they've chosen to show it in the form of like chaos in the streets is just more for the sort of tension and aesthetic the overall kind of aesthetic feeling of chaos and stuff like that so i don't know but let me know what you think about that i feel like sometimes it's really difficult for for i mean it's just such a big it's such a big thing to take on and you know, I don't know if, uh, you know, it's hard for many, it's hard for anyone to grapple with that, much less in, in film or television form. So anyway, I guess that that ended up taking a lot of time to talk about. Mostly it's just Tessa Thompson looking like a badass. And again, it's this idea where like these violent delights have violent ends sort of thing. I mean, Charlotte was so close to getting away with it all. I mean, imagine, imagine that world where the Tessa Thompson where, where Charlotte gets away, they go to a quiet place. And then all of a sudden Charlotte has to be like, so Jake, I'm not actually Charlotte. Your wife actually died, you know, four months ago, but I really love you. You know, it's like that. It's like those eighties comedies where it was like somebody 
you know, agreed to go to prom as a bet and then all of a sudden starts to really like that person and then has to admit that they originally took it on as a bet. But no, but I actually do love you. It's sort of that, but but the Westworld version. (laughs) If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Yeah, so I mean, and yeah, well, and what happens is somebody blows up the car and kills uh, Jake and the son, Nathan, I think. And and now Tessa Thompson crawls out full Anakin Skywalker, full Terminator full Terminator kind of mode where all her flesh is burned and everything, her host flesh and it's fucking on. And I think it was either Rolling Stone or maybe Collider. I can't remember which recap, but it was like, this is essentially just, this is the episode that's kind of placing the fighters in their corner so that, you know, we only have two episodes left and now we just now it's now the next two episodes are just going to be the toys, the action figures fighting against each other. We got we oh, I would love some Westworld action figures. We got, you know, we have we have a, a Tessa Thompson, you know, Heloris with her robo buddy, Dolores, Caleb on one side. And then we have Ciroc and Maeve on the other and Bernard and Stubbs. Who knows? And so. And William, who knows? I mean, it's so interesting. So the other William half of the episode was, I mean, it was so fun. I mean, it was just, again, Westworld. Westworld is best when it's weird. And this idea of this kind of therapy where you're talking to your past selves. So you get to see the full, like, the the actor Jimmy Simpson come back. You see the man in black. You see the business version of William, you see his childhood version. And of course they had to bring back Peter Mullen as uh, James Delos. And that was just delicious. And it was just a fun scene of all these different versions of Ed Harris. And then Peter Mullen talking it out and realizing that, Oh, you know, again, this idea of like the beta male toxic masculinity-ness of 
somebody who's a nice guy, but is actually scheming and, and angry at the world on the inside and how this wasn't something that was thrust upon him, but that he chose to. And then this idea that he's literally murdering his past selves to move on to become the good guy, essentially. And I, I don't know if it's as... I mean, literally, it's so interesting. He's been the man in black this whole time, and now he's literally the man in white, all dressed up in this kind of white insane asylum type thing. And he gets rescued at the end by Bernard and Stubbs. And so to me, that's what's so interesting. It's like, why? So Bernard reaches the facility that we saw the last episode where Serac is storing the sort of undesirables, and which I believe is where the man in black is. And so what's the plan? What is Bernard's plan with with William. That to me is the kind of interesting implication. It's like Maeve thankfully survives uh, Charlotte's character pulling the plug on, like he, she pulls the plug on, on Hector, you know, trying to eliminate her enemies. Um, but Maeve is able to come back. And I believe there's two other hosts that Sirak agreed to bring back from the park. And so it's Maeve with her little two person army you know, against Dolores and Caleb and Charlotte. Yeah. So what is Bernard and what is the man in blacks? Like what is the man in white? What is William's role to play in this final battle? Is it cause it doesn't, I don't, it, it doesn't feel as simple as just like this versus this. I feel like, I don't know. It's, and then the preview for next week, like, do we go to outer space? Like what is happening? And Caleb, what is his role to play? You know, we last left him being, you know, there was more to the story, but what is, yeah, what is, what is the final battle going to be about and how does this end, you know? And, and I was talking to my friend, Jamie Parslow, who I want to have on this podcast. He's, he's been following the show and we're like, we're like, what, how does this, how does this, what does the world look like? And then, oh, oh, and I was also going to say, and how many seasons of Westworld are planned? Is this season, is this going to go on forever or is there an end game here? Like, I mean, again, this is supposedly the end game. I mean, an, a season four would be so fascinating because we were talking about the, and I won't talk too much about what, you know, just recapping my, our text thread, but season one was kind of this world busting kind of thing. Whereas season two is very further complicating stuff. And then to some degree, season three has kind of been about sort of flushing the palette, resetting the world, putting us in this new space in this kind of quote unquote final battle. But you know, if there's going to be a fourth season, how does the web get further complex from here? Because it feels like it's just kind of whittling down, but not really. I don't know. I don't think this is necessarily whittling things down. I think if anything, yeah, these, you know, it's it, again with, with talking about season two, I feel like these last, these like, this is, this is the good stuff, you know, this is Westworld paying off, you know, and just thinking more and more about this idea of watching a show in real time and having these thoughts kind of play out versus like when you're binging something and you sort of, you can sort of hold off your opinions until you see the whole thing. And so I'm just so curious about, it just feels like for me, season one, I just had so many questions. Season two was like, Oh, what's happening? And season three, I'm just like, huh? What's the, what did, did I enjoy this? Did I not enjoy this? What does this mean? Does this not do well? My brain's all over the place. So 
anyway, I'm just going to leave this here because we only have two episodes left, which is very exciting. I mean, I'm very excited. Again, I saw people talking about it and who knows, maybe that's the, this is the nature of watching it in real time is you're kind of constantly not only doing battle with the show itself, but also with other people's opinions of the show. And you're just part of that flow of conversation that can almost make your brain break uh, in a sense. And some people were like, Oh, this, you know, it, this feels like it's all rushing because there's only eight episodes instead of 10. Whereas other people are like, I, I, I personally am in the fence of, I'm glad it's eight episodes. I don't, I don't think, I think if this was 10 episodes, I feel like I would have had the same problem with season two where it, where there's a point halfway through where you're like, what is this about? What's at stake? Why am I watching this? Why am I spending this much time doing this? And maybe that's the practical person in me, but I'm so thankful we only have two episodes left. How about you? What do you think? Are you, are you jonesing for more? Did you hope, did you want to know more about Caleb by now? I mean, it looks like next week we're really going to dive deeper into who he really is. So, or to, or at least into that sort of claim when Liam was dying and being like, you did it at this point. Are you wishing that the season was longer? So you could have, you know, dug your heels in a little bit more with some of these characters, or are you thankful that we're finally getting into the end game, getting into these final action, you know, getting into this final battle because, you know, it's, it, it, my brain just broke right there. <laughs> I mean, again, it's, it's Dolores's, you know, mission of, you know, keeping all hosts safe at the expense of humans and Ciroc's keep, keep all humans safe at the expense of everyone else. Like, is this battle interesting to you? And I think for me so far, it, it, it's Westworld has had to dive into these kind of cliches and I think it's exploring them really well, but I really, I really hope that it will say something new by the end of it. And so I think for me, I'm glad that it's only eight episodes because I think I would feel frustrated if I had to wait four more episodes to figure out if this is all worth it. So anyway, that's where I'm at. Let me know what you think. I hope everyone is staying safe and staying healthy. And yeah, with any luck, I will see you in a week. So until then, ciao, my dudes. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.